0: Hardheads, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours. Welcome to the Hard Headed Sports Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, episode 14, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. Happy Super Bowl weekend, everybody. Hope you all are getting your wings, nachos, pizza, whatever your your whatever you fancy, whatever your main uh, game time food is hope that you're stocking up on that so you can have a fantastic relaxing Super Bowl weekend uh, that should should be a really good game. Um, I gotta tell you I always I always pause when I name the number of the show. Uh, that we're on not because like number 14 has any numerical significance to me or or anybody else but it, we've just been cranking out these episodes of the podcast so fast and and at such an efficient rate uh that i'm really pleased with that it's honestly hard sometimes to keep track of how many shows i've actually done and i i don't want to come on here and and you know lose track of how many episodes we've done. So I always do like a mental pause and it's insane how well uh, the podcast has done in such a short time. So again, I always will come on and thank you for the support. It's genuinely appreciated uh, and welcome. So thank you all for that. So I've got a pretty good show today. Obviously, we're going to talk some Super Bowl, which I have been putting off. The procrastinator in me has been putting off making a selection for the Super Bowl. I've had two weeks. I've used every single second of it um, and I'm going to have to make a decision on who is going to win the Super Bowl. By the end of the opening segment, we're also going to do another installment of the GM series, which has a new name. It has a new name, and it's not 15-minute GM. And I am so happy about it because I like this name so much better. We are going to get into that today as well. Maybe some NFL honors and a couple of other stories I have on my list today. Uh, depending on how much time we have gone through with the show, I always try to make the show 30 minutes or more. If I can't make a 30-minute block, I'm not going to make a show. Gonna wait until there's more things that I want to talk about before I make one. So hopefully we reach over that 30 minute mark without having to talk about too too much today because it is a Saturday. I uh, do have plans later today that I want to get to. So with that being said, let's not delay this any further. Let's get into the show. I'll I'll level with you guys. The the reason that I haven't talked about the Super Bowl is because I have wanted to have every single moment. Of Every single day, every possible uh, second, up until this point right now, I've wanted every single moment to be able to make a prediction on who is going to win the Super Bowl because I have not been able to make up my mind. And with that being said, I probably still want more time. I could absolutely use more time uh, because I'm still not sure who's going to win this game. It's really hard to go against either team. I, I really wish I had more time. I've been dreading making this pick and this decision because I go back and forth, as I've said. I, I will say this much, though. If the Chiefs win, this is definitively the moment where the torch is passed from Brady to Mahomes. That doesn't mean that that Brady is necessarily finished, Uh, In fact, I think if he doesn't win, this run with the Buccaneers would have been enough to revitalize Brady for at least another three years, or at least until he wins the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers, whichever comes first. So uh, a lot of people say that the torch has already been passed to Mahomes. I think Mahomes needs to beat Brady tomorrow night in order for that torch to be officially passed. Um, and that torch has kind of been passed between a couple players. It kind of reminds me a little bit of of how Tom Brady and Peyton Manning used to pass the torch back to one another. Although the torch the of, of the greatest of all time was already pretty much held in Brady's possession, uh, that torch... Tom Brady Peyton Manning rivalry uh, throughout you know the early 2010s uh late 20 uh 2000s That was something to behold in which, you know, Brady and Peyton both went back and forth. Pretty much you ever had home field advantages who came out on top. And obviously, uh, Peyton came out on top in the last meeting in the 2015 uh, playoffs where in which he won a Super Bowl. Uh, And then that torch was passed to Brady as Brady went on to win a couple of more. And now we come to a crossroads again where Mahomes uh, potentially can be the next uh, GOAT, the next person to carry the torch when it comes to all-time great quarterbacks the, the or a dominant quarterback in the league. Uh, Brady still has that torch. If Mahomes wins tomorrow night, that torch, I think, will be officially passed, even though that doesn't take anything away from Brady. I think what Brady has done this season, he has cemented his legacy as the greatest of all time without question, to be able to go from an organization in which he is literally the poster child of that organization he is the face. He's the name. He's essentially everything to do with the Patriots organization. You go from an organization like that where you know the offense, you know the scheme, you know it like the back of your hand, and then go to a completely new place with completely new players, uh, a culture that is not has not been a winning culture since the early 2000s. You go to that team and you build them up. You lead that team to a Super Bowl and potentially win one. There's no arguments anymore. There's no arguments anymore between who was the real defining person in New England. It has got to be Tom Brady, and that's not taking anything away from Bill Belichick, but you just see how good, plain and simple, Tom Brady is, how good of a leader he is, how good of a quarterback he is, uh, and and that legacy, I think, should be cemented by... uh, it, It will definitely be cemented by a Super Bowl win, but it was definitely very evident this season uh, about the greatness of Tom Brady. You know, there's the cliff uh, theory that was really kind of disproven this season. He looked great. He had weapons. He was able to lead this team, and it was incredibly impressive, And, and that should not be taken away from Tom Brady if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I've kind of laid out, like, what it means if Mahomes wins, what it means if Brady wins, and it's really difficult still for me to make a decision on this game i i wasn't terribly impressed with the buccaneers i'll say this much i was i feel better about the chiefs coming out of the afc championship than i do the buccaneers coming out of the nfc championship i think the bucks in some way uh and and i know this is going to irritate some people that i say this but in some way the bucks got kind of lucky uh with how the packers performed i i Know that you know the Buccaneers played really, really well in the first half of that game, and then Brady threw a couple of interceptions. There were some turnovers, and it allowed the Packers and Aaron Rodgers to get back into that game. If Brady didn't throw um, a couple of interceptions, not all of them were his fault. A couple of them bounced off of Mike's Mike Evans' hands uh if, the, if that didn't happen the Packers might not have been in the game at all so maybe it's a little bit unfair of me to say that you know hey the Buccaneers got away with one but regardless that's what happened during the game and obviously there was controversy at the end of that game it was a closer game at the end but still the Buccaneers played uh, a Packers team that just looked off that day in a lot of aspects and with how Brady played, I wasn't necessarily confident in the offensive side of things, which is exactly what you need to be confident in when you go against a team like the Chiefs. Look, whatever this game is going to be, and I hope that it's going to be a good game, uh, whatever whatever you, know, you want to say about these two teams, it's going to more than likely be a, a, an absolute shootout. And that's what I hope it would be. Um, uh, one great quarterback, the greatest quarterback of all time, with a really good wide receiver core versus Patrick Mahomes and an equally as fast and lethal wide receiver core going at each other and essentially whoever turns the ball over is the team that is going to lose the game that's that's the, that's the plain and simple uh, answer for me it's like whoever is going to turn the ball over is going to lose the super bowl and I think that Brady is more prone to turning the ball over this season than Patrick Mahomes is. Now Patrick Mahomes has had a couple of uh, multi-interceptions game. Obviously, so has Brady. They're both not necess- They're both not necessarily prone to it, uh, but it has happened. Right now, I just think I have more confidence in the Chiefs, and that really, I guess, I- I've. I've talked myself through my Super Bowl pick. I I have talked myself through it, and I think the Chiefs are probably going to win the Super Bowl and um, start a new dynasty in the NFL. Uh, it's very difficult to repeat as uh, a Super Bowl champions. I think the Chiefs has uh, have tra- the Chiefs have as good of a chance as any team that has won the Super Bowl in the past, apart from maybe like the 2013, 2014 Seattle Seahawks. Um, apart from a team like that there hasn't really been a Super Bowl uh, champion apart from again maybe the Seahawks are one of the Patriots teams hasn't been a team that has a good enough roster from year to year to be able to repeat a Super Bowl champions I think the Chiefs are really really good I I've I've bet against the Chiefs a couple times and I have come out scathed both times I don't think I'll do it again I think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl here by score of Mm, 31 to 24. I think I'll call it a touchdown. I think Brady's going to have a chance to win the game, ball in his hands at the end of the game. He's going to have to have a touchdown. Um, during the course of the game, he's going to make a couple of mistakes. I feel like he's going to throw an interception There's or there's going to be a fumble. There's going to be some turnover that the Chiefs get that allow them to kind of put their foot on the gas and take the lead and not look back. Um, but what i really hope <clears throat> what i'm really hoping for is that it ends up being a shootout and you know maybe 31 and 21 and 24 is a smaller score and it ends up being like in the 40s uh where, where it's like 41 to to 33 or something a really high scoring game that's what i'm hoping for but i think realistically speaking it's probably going to be more of a scoreline like 31 to 24 within a touchdown brady has a chance to win his, win the game at the end he'll need the touchdown he won't be able to do it chiefs repeat the torch is passed and uh, Brady gears up for another run with the Buccaneers next season. Now, I've already gave my opinion on the Buccaneers as a, as a whole package uh, earlier, a couple of shows ago, where I said the Buccaneers themselves are ahead of schedule. I didn't think that the Buccaneers were going to be in the Super Bowl at all this season. I thought that their Super Bowl season would actually be next season. So the fact that they're already here means that Tom Brady's magic is working wonders over there in Tampa Bay at Raymond James Stadium. And uh, well, that's another actually cool tidbit uh, before we wrap up the segment. I mean, if the if the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl, though, I, I don't know if they'll be the first team to win on uh, their home field during the Super Bowl, but it'll be the first team in like a long time. Definitely before the merger. I think the 1950s was the last time that's happened. So that will absolutely be cool to see. But uh, let me let me know your guys' pick for the Super Bowl. It took me up until this very moment to be able to decide my pick. I literally had to talk myself through it <laughs> to be able to get my Super Bowl pick. So let me know who you're taking in this game. Chiefs are Buccaneers. I think it's going to be a shootout. I hope it's a shootout. But in the end, I think a 31-24 score line for the Chiefs is the most probable uh, outcome for this game Brady's going to turn the ball over one time uh, whether it's an interception or a fumble and it's going to be extremely difficult for them to overcome that because once you turn the ball over against the Chiefs uh, and they get uh, up two scores on you very difficult to come back from so moving on to the GM segment which has a new name I am I'm, I'm really excited about this name it's so much better than anything I was using before So we're going to move on to this segment, the front office frenzy, the front office frenzy. I, I was thinking yesterday, I'm like, wow, I was talking so fast. I was so out of breath. I was speeding along. That was very frenzied. And I'm like, well, that's, that's the name right there. Front office frenzy. And if you're new, uh, for those of you who are new to the segment that are maybe watching this for the first time, or maybe coming from, uh, the 49er segment that we did yesterday, Maybe I can explain a little bit better. Um, It's where I pull a team at random out of this hat that's sitting right next to me. And then I have 15 minutes or less to lay out a reasonable, logical roadmap with minimal information for that specific team. And I have to do this all mostly off the top of my head. I do have notes in front of me. I do have minimal guidelines in front of me to help me kind of guide me through the segment. And at the end of it, I would have to lay out a floor plan, a game plan that would end up with this team in the playoffs contending for a Super Bowl next season. Obviously, as I said, the first episode that we covered was the 49ers. And in this episode, we will be covering, let's see here. This is a smaller one. I could feel it with a piece of paper. Uh, this episode we will be covering. Oh, Ooh, this is actually a pretty good one as well. The Washington football team, uh, this is, this is probably going to be, uh, just off the top of my head, this is going to be a much easier one for me. The The Washington football team, it's going to take everything from me, by the way, to not call them the Washington Redskins, just out of pure habit. Uh, even though we've had a full season of them being called the football team, it, I, I obviously I grew up with it being the Redskins. It's going to be difficult for me to avoid saying that, so if I do say that while I'm in this front office frenzy, please do forgive me. Um. I don't. There's 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 no timer on the screen, but if any of you at home want to time me, go ahead. Start your watches now. First thing that I would do is Washington Football Team. If I was the general manager of the Washington Football Team, uh, I would change the name. <laughs> Make me not say Washington Football Team for. Uh, uh, Umpteenth millionth time this segment, uh, make it easier on me. I know that's a decision of owner Dan Schneider, uh, not the general manager. Change the name of, to, from the Washington football team to literally anything else, please. Um, so things to know about the Washington football team. Things we know up front. These are my bullet points. Uh, Washington football team was 7-9 and nine last season. A playoff team uh, in a horrible NFC East division. Horrible. Absolutely horrendous. Probably one of the worst divisions ever in the history of the league. Really, really bad. Uh, the Washington football team has $35 million in cap space and eight draft picks. Um, I believe $35 million is about... It, it's it's in one of the top brackets of the league in terms of amount of cap space. I'm not sure what exact number it is. I think they might be sixth. I think it's good for sixth highest uh, amount of cap space in the league this offseason. Uh, so the other than that, other than changing the name... <laughs> Other than changing the name, uh, I think that the Washington football team is honestly in a really good position to be the head, the front runner of the NFC East for multiple seasons to come. And it's really an easy step forward for me. This is an easier one today for me to decide and, and move the team forward because they've already got a lot of the intangibles in place. They've already got a lot of great pieces in place and there's really no controversy Uh, the, The one thing that the Washington football team needed to do by the end of the season is something that they already did. And that's release Dwayne Haskins, somebody who, you know, you would think that Dwayne Haskins, maybe they'll hold out hope on him that he finally gets his act together and becomes mature. But I think he made it very evident throughout the season and throughout his actions that he was not mature enough to be an NFL starting quarterback and at that point you need to get rid of him you can't damage the culture and I think if there's one thing that head coach Ron Rivera is all about it's the culture in the locker room and a lot of people can argue that the success of the Washington Redskins and I say success in a in a weird way because there were only seven and nine but from where they started the season to where they finish the season, you can see that Ron Rivera is clearly establishing a culture in that locker room, and a lot of the success of the seven and nine Washington football team is due to Ron Rivera. Uh, what Ron Rivera was able to do with the culture, um, it was is nothing less than impressive. And as well, him beating cancer, he's an extremely likable coach. He's something somebody that you would want to play for. And I bet the Carolina Panthers are absolutely kicking themselves that they let him go. Um, so a lot of uh, a lot of you know success in the NFL is between the quarterback and the head coach and the relationship between that and the Washington Redskins are (laughs) I did it I did it I couldn't catch myself the Washington football team is very fortunate to have probably one of the best head coaches in the league already there so now you just need a quarterback and that quarterback was never going to be Dwayne Haskins but is that quarterback going to be Alex Smith or Taylor Heineke I don't really know. That's something that we're going to address uh, once we get to the draft section of this segment. Uh, but more, most importantly, uh, or more importantly, let's get to the cap space that they have. Uh, the cap space, $35 million, That's a lot of cap space. They have a lot of good developing young players that they don't have to pay just yet. Uh, obviously, chief among them is probably Chase Young, who just finished a, a probable defensive rookie of the year season. So with 35 million dollars in cap space, you have the capita to go after a big free agent, and I think that a free. If I were the general manager of the Washington uh, football team, I would go after Chris Godwin this off season. Uh, it's not that the Washington wide receiver core is bad. In fact, I like the Washington wide receiver core. They've got some good pieces in McKissick and uh, McLaurin. I think the name is uh, obviously again. Folks at home, I don't have time to prepare for this segment. I'm doing this all off the top of my head. Uh, They have a really good wide receiver core, but I think uh, um, I can imagine uh, somebody like Chris Godwin, who is going to be a free agent from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Once he... You know, Once the season is over, and especially if he wins the Super Bowl this season, he might be more open to the idea of leaving Tampa Bay, uh, getting a contract in which he is the number one wide receiver instead of the third person on the chain. I think uh, with bringing Antonio Brown in in Tampa Bay, it's kind of knocked Godwin down to the third person on the totem pole. And realistically, he has the talent to be the first person on the totem pole and more. So I think Washington, if I was the Washington GM, I would definitely offer a contract for or to Chris Godwin during the offseason. Uh, we're not going to get into specific numbers, but I would pay him. Uh, I don't know if I would pay him everything that he's asking for, but I would definitely give him a good asking price. Now, there is something that I do want to say that's coming across my mind now. Uh, Deshaun Watson is a reasonable landing spot. It does have a reasonable landing spot in Washington. I would definitely make an offer to, for uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh If I'm the Washington GM, I forgot to mention that in the 49ers episode as well. I put it in the comment section. I would, if I was the 49ers GM, make an offer for Deshaun Watson as well. But like with the 49ers, uh, I don't know if the Washington Redskins have enough for Watson to want to be able to come here. Because again, it's not where Houston wants to trade him. It ends up being where Deshaun Watson wants to go because of his no trade clause. And I don't know with the owner in Dan Schneider that that's necessarily somebody that Deshaun Watson wants to play for it. That kind of sounds like out of the frying pan into the fire a little bit when it comes to front offices that may exactly not be the best in the NFL. You'd have a great head coach, great head coach, great defense, so that's obviously attractive for Watson. If I'm if I'm Washington's GM, I would offer for Deshaun Watson. I'd try and get a, uh get picks or send players, whatever I can for him. But if that's not going to happen, and again, it's hard to say whether that's reasonable or not because nobody knows what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. There's no reports to of guide us in a certain direction we're going to assume that he's not coming to Washington and with the 35 million dollars in cap space that you would have if you don't sign Watson I would absolutely go after Chris Godwin um the the Washington uh football team also has a offensive lineman that's really really good and I'm blanking on his name right now obviously this is one of the cons of the segment you can't come up with every name on the spot uh he's a, a really good I think he's a, either a right or left guard um a uh, Brandon Sheriff, I think his name is Brandon Sheriff. Absolutely re-sign one of the best linemen in the league. You need to spend your money on the lineman uh, to protect whoever is going to line up behind uh, uh, behind center. And uh, then Ronald Darby is a free agent as well. Uh, that is somebody who you can probably get for cheap. He had a prove it deal this past season. Uh, he had a good season, but maybe not enough to be signed at a at a really high point in the salary cap. So uh, we'll see there. So that's like some three really important free agent signings I think the Redskins should go for. Obviously Godwin is chief number 1. I think he fits really good into the Washington football team scheme and I think he could be a clear number 1 and a very talented wide receiver for whoever is the quarterback for the Washington football team, which leads me to the draft side of things. The number are the the no, 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 no. the round 1 pick for the Washington Redskins. I don't know what pick it is exactly. Is it 21? I wish I could check, but I'm low on time. I got to do this in 15 minutes or less. Let's say it's around 21 uh, that the, the Redskins are picking. I think I think so. Around pick 21 is when the Redskins have the Redskins, the Washington football team have their first round pick, uh, and I would draft Mac Jones, quarterback out of Alabama, or the best player available with this pick. As I said with the 49ers segment yesterday, with this segment I'm going to say probably a hundred times ad nauseum, depending on what happens with the first 10 picks, because there are so many quarterbacks that could or could not be taken within the first 10 picks. It's hard to say. What will happen throughout the rest of the draft? It really depends on those first 10 picks and how many quarterbacks are taken. Regardless, I really like Mac Jones as a quarterback. I think he really impressed with his senior season. He's kind of like Joe Burrow in the sense that he was not on anybody's radar, and then he had a championship-winning season, and now he's a top prospect. And I really kind of like that in a quarterback, uh, somebody who's underrated, somebody who plays with a chip on your shoulder, somebody who's had to fight through adversity and hasn't been a starting quarterback through the entire way. He's not fed with a silver spoon. Uh, he ha- He's had to fight for what he's been given at University of Alabama, and I really like Mac Jones as a quarterback and his play style. I think it fits the, uh, the Washington scheme. Uh, He's got decent to above average long field or long range accuracy, but his medium and his short passes are absolutely incredible. And just imagine a combination between somebody like Mac Jones and Chris Godwin and along with McKissick, that would be a really interesting offense to play off of the great defensive line and the great defense that the Washington Redskins had last season. Um, Even if you don't draft Mac Jones, um, Alex Smith is good enough to lead as a quarterback, but I think Alex Smith is, is in a lot of ways is going to be more of the, not necessarily a band-aid quarterback, but he's going to be the quarterback that carries you into your future. He's older. Obviously he's coming off a catastrophic injury and that's great for him, but he doesn't have long left as a starting quarterback. You need to start finding that replacement. I would spend the number the first round pick on Mac Jones or the best player available, depending on who or how many quarterbacks get drafted in the first 10 picks uh, round two. Uh the second round I would t- I would take uh some kind of either tight end or wide receiver or I would take a cornerback. Uh since Ronald Darby is a free agent, Washington could really use another really good cornerback if Ronald Darby does not resign and even if he does resign. Uh, it would be nice to have another young uh, cornerback because because Darby's only 27. be nice to have another young cornerback to pair with Ronald Darby. Uh, maybe somebody like a, like a Tyson Campbell out of Georgia who's slotted to be around a second or third round pick. Or if you want to go offense again, maybe somebody like Brevin Jordan, which is a tight end out of Miami. Somebody to pair with Logan Thomas. It's really for Washington. It's why I said this is so easy they have a lot of good pieces already. It's really about finding the right pieces and pairing them together to create a really dynamic offense or defense. So Tyson Campbell, cornerback out of Georgia, or Brevin Jordan, tight and out of Miami for the second round pick. Uh, the Washington football team has, I think, two third round picks. So I would say uh, diva- uh, draft a running back in the third round. Antonio Gibson did an okay job as the Washington Redskins are running back uh, this past season Washington. <laughs> I did it again. I think that's three times. The Washington football team did a good job as their running back this past season, but not an outstanding job. I think uh, Washington needs help with the running back position. I am a huge fan of Javante Williams coming out of North Carolina. I had the uh, opportunity to watch this guy in person. He's going to be a sleeper pick. He's going to fly under the radar in terms of of running backs in this draft. I think if you get him in the third round, it would be an absolute steal. He could be a third round running back, a third round, a, a, not a third round, a third down back in the league really good. I, he's a bigger back. He, he he runs hard. He's got some speed to him. Really good pick. I think he'll be a sleeper pick. If the Washington, Red, uh, the Washington football team can pick him up in the third round and kind of make a dynamic duo in the backfield with Antonio Gibson, that would go a long way for them. Uh, I don't know how much time I have, but I think I've covered pretty much everything. So that is how I would turn around the Redskins. The Redskins? Rewind. (laughs) Either way, stop your stopwatches, ladies and gentlemen. So that is how I would make the Washington football team contenders for the next season. This has been the front office frenzy segment. Tune in next time or whenever the next time I run this segment is to see if your team is next. I think that was I think that was a pretty logical and reasonably laid out game plan for the the Washington football team to remain in the playoffs this next season. It's 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 hard to it's hard to consider them as not being contenders as a seven to nine team, but uh, this past season, but they were in the playoffs, and you know. I guess you could classify them as contenders, and they did play a really good game against Tampa Bay, so um, it's hard to say whether they weren't really contenders, and now they're going to be contenders next year, because again, getting into the playoffs at 7-9 and nine is kind of, <laughs> it's a little bit bittersweet. Uh, obviously, you deserve to be in the playoffs, you, you won your division, but you're not, you're clearly not as good record-wise as everybody else, so... Um, hope you enjoyed that segment again that's the new front office frenzy segment um 15 minutes or less to lay out a logical reasonable game plan for every single nfl team at random off the top of your head that was much much better i felt much more organized than than uh the last show in terms of running that segment i think that could be a really nice centerpiece for the show moving forward so we are at about the 30 minute mark so I'm going to talk about a couple of more things today. Uh, maybe not as in-depth as they would have been. I was a little bit relaxed in making the show today. I just wanted to get some things down before I could start, you know, enjoying my weekend, enjoying the Super Bowl, because really, I honestly didn't think that we were going to have a Super Bowl this year as fans of the NFL. I thought there's no way that this ends up happening, but lo and behold, this this virus uh, thankfully, it's seeming to die down and, and go away just a little bit. Enough for us to have one of the best sporting spectacles in the entire world. So, really excited about that. I have, we, or we as a as a collective, have talked a lot about the Philadelphia Eagles recently and the quarterback situation, the head coaching situation. Earlier in this week, I, I made a video talking about how I was, or, or how the new Eagles head coach Was absolutely terrified, and I wasn't sure whether that was his actual personality, or whether or not he was just nervous. And if he was nervous, well, you've been an offensive coordinator in the league for four years; you should know how to talk to the media, yada yada yada. And of course, there's everything that's going on behind the scenes with Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, who are the owner and the GM, respectively. And it's like, okay, they want a head coach that they can control. You've heard me all say this before, and if you haven't heard me say this all before, you can find those videos uh, in the YouTube archive on this channel. Very easy to find. In fact, I'll, I'll probably put a little bit of a card up in the top right-hand corner for you if you're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Sorry, there's no magical link that's going to appear above your left-hand shoulder. <laughs> um But news coming out of yesterday and the past couple of days, something that uh, I didn't really get a chance to talk about earlier this week was the fact that Carson Wentz apparently still wants out of Philadelphia despite the Nick Sirianni hire, despite the Doug Peterson firing, um, and despite the the support that both Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman appears to be giving him in terms of their offseason actions. Apparently Wentz still wants out of Philadelphia, he still doesn't want to be a part of the franchise, and he wants to be traded away. Um, and obviously, the Eagles wouldn't want to do that because of the ginormous cap hit that they're going to have to take to, to in order to trade Wentz away. And I think this is a pretty good lesson for a lot of other teams that have young quarterbacks that are starting to go on the rise. Somebody like a Josh Allen. Although I think Josh Allen is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, and maybe that's recency bias obviously time will tell i don't think josh allen is going to decline in the next three years but for any young any young team with a young quarterback that seems to be on the rise this is exactly why you shouldn't pay your quarterback too early i obviously if they have a great season you want to reward that play but if they have more years on the rookie contract this is exactly why you don't extend your quarterback too early because once the offense gets figured out may or maybe they become injury prone they lose their confidence you now end up with a lot of dead cap and a quarterback that does not want to play for your team or a quarterback that you just plain don't want I'm about ready to say that Carson Wentz leaving the Eagles will be the best thing for the Eagles despite the cap hit like I am so sick and tired of of the Carson Wentz drama t- temper tantrum that's going on there I mean I don't want to be I don't want to just flat out call him acting like a diva but it's like if you can't see how much the Eagles are trying to work with you to be able to get you to work with the team and you are still not going to appreciate all that they're doing and you still want out of the franchise I mean I don't know what to tell you I mean at some point it it becomes not everybody else's problem but your problem and maybe that maybe that's just the truth and it's his problem and he wants to go his own way and make his own way but um, I truly think that Carson Wentz will continue to be a diva and he's going to continue to make noise to try and get out of Philadelphia unless the Philadelphia Eagles trade Jalen Hurts. I, I think whatever happened this past season, whatever happened with Jalen Hurts and the way that Doug Peterson put him in, whatever happened, getting bench clearly made him unhappy and there were reports that he was not happy about it. I think that there's real tension in that quarterback room, and until one of them gets moved, it's going to remain that way. I don't think that there's any way that these guys can be friends. I think it's more like an acquaintance. It's like, hey, I'm going to shake your hand and go to work with you, but I can't stand your guts. Like Everybody has that one coworker that they'll work with, but they absolutely hate that person's guts. And I feel like that's kind of the tension that's going on in the Eagles quarterback room right now between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz. uh, Carson Wentz absolutely sees Jalen Hurts as his replacement, his competition, not his teammate. And when that's the case, somebody needs to go. And if you're trying to hedge bet on who would you rather have right now, I would rather have Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen Hurts didn't absolutely blow me away. He had up moments. He had down moments. So Jalen Hurts didn't absolutely blow me away, and I'm not going to say that Jalen Hurts is absolutely the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. But to be quite honest with you, neither is Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, uh, apart from his MVP caliber season, whether that's for th- because of injury, whether that's because of confidence issues, he is not the same quarterback. And until he, and if he's not going to allow. The organization, the opportunity to see if that he's that quarterback, and if he's going to continue to pout, be a diva, and just demand a trade and want to get out of here. By all means, like avoid the headache, get him out of here, take the cap hit. Like it's going to suck to take the cap hit, but I mean, whatever you can get for Wentz in return might be enough to kind of sup uh, uh, to sustain the damage that you're going to incur by taking that dead cap hit. I think that just. Plain and simple, there's no real other explanation. There is so much tension in the quarterback room. There's no way that Carson Wentz becomes comfortable in Philadelphia unless Jalen Hurts gets traded or he gets traded himself. That's kind of the way that I feel this going, and it's a shame because the the front office is doing so much to keep him happy. They fired the coach that he had a rift with. They hired a new one that he probably would work well with, or at least they're hoping that they work well with. It's like it's like asking, it's like a little kid asking their parents for this, this, and this for Christmas, and they get pretty much everything that they wanted on the list, except that one thing that they really wanted, and then it's a bad Christmas. It's like, I didn't get the bicycle, I didn't get the bicycle, this is the worst Christmas ever, meanwhile, he's got He's got an iPod, he's got a fire truck, he's got a basketball hoop, he's got a Thomas the Tank engine playset, he's got <laughs> a coloring book. Like this little kid has gotten everything, his wildest dreams for Christmas. He's got and, and to equate that to Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz has the money. He's got a ginormous contract. He the, the Eagles fire the head coach that he didn't like they hired a new coach that he might like they are trying and willingly committing to him to try and fix him and make him the quarterback of the football team and Wentz is still down down there in Philadelphia like Jalen Hurts got I got benched for Jalen Hurts in the middle of the season I don't want to be here anymore this is the worst Christmas ever it's at this, like, at that point, I mean, maybe I'm over-exaggerating it a little bit, but at that point, wouldn't you just say, oh, my God, forget it. Like, get out of here. We'll take the cap it, and we'll take a couple of first-rounders for you or whatever they uh, somebody decides to give me. Like, you're not worth the headache. I mean, obviously, you can't do that with your child. I'm sure that my parents probably wanted to do that with me at one point <laughs> when I was being a little cranky little monster. Uh, but regardless, for this uh, to, to not Murray the analogy anymore, uh, there, I, don't, I really don't think that there's any way that this can end uh, unless one of those two quarterbacks gets shipped out because uh, Carson Lentz doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon in terms of saying, okay, I'll, I'll try and work with this organization. Whatever happened, whatever mental shift he had, he doesn't want to be there anymore. And at this point, it's probably best for the Eagles if they just say, fine, we'll take the cap hit, get on out of here. So uh, to round out the show today, Uh, The NFL Honors are tonight, and I almost completely forgot about it. We are at a pretty good point in the show, so we're just going to run through my picks for the NFL Honors for uh, the night tonight. Uh, First up is Coach of the Year. In my mind, Brian Flores should be the recipient of the Coach of the Year. Uh, There is a case to be made for uh, uh, McDermott over in Buffalo, but I think in terms of what these two coaches had last year as opposed to what they were able to do this year. I think Brian Flores' achievements in Miami are much more impressive, turning around a uh, 5-11 and team. Uh, developing 5-11 and 11 team to a 10-6 and six team that if the AFC was not as strong as it was this year, they probably would have made the playoffs. Uh, Brian Flores has effectively built a culture in Miami. He's got a young quarterback that seems to be really, really in love with the franchise. We talked a lot yesterday about how refreshing that relationship is, is between Tua, Brian Flores, Chris Greer, and the Miami Dolphins. I think Brian Flores absolutely should win Coach of the Year. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, there is a case to be made for McDermott. McDermott might win the award. In all honesty, the bills were absolutely fantastic this year as well, but the bills had more talent by the end by this point last year than the Dolphins did. And uh, Brian Flores really did a fantastic job this year. Brian Flores is my coach of the year. Comeback player of the year is Alex Smith. I think Alex Smith is going to be the favorite pretty much for everybody. I think anybody else would be. Um, I think I, th- I saw Big Ben, perhaps is like one one of the the one of the names on the line, like I, I, one of the betting lines, and I'm just like, what has he done this year? He's done. I mean, it, sure, injury coming back and having a pretty good season, but uh, I would say, and I'm not trying to compare apples to oranges here, but Alex Smith's injury was pretty much life-threatening, and he was able to step on a football field this year, so absolutely comeback player of the year is Alex Smith. Offensive rookie of the year, again, no surprise here, I think, from anybody. I think everybody will mutually agree that Justin Herbert deserves this award. He was absolutely the surprise of the season for a lot of people probably the best quarterback in the draft at this point. Obviously, I think we'll we'll, we'll be able to retrospectively look at the draft in a couple years from now and say, well, this person was better than this person, or this person was greater than this person. Right now, Justin Herbert seems to be the best QB. Um, we'll see how that develops over time, but as for this season, the Offensive Rookie of the Year definitely deserves by Justin Herbert. This is a no-brainer. Defensive Rookie of the Year, another no-brainer, Chase Young, had one of the highest uh, defensive ratings um, by a rookie, I I remember seeing some kind of stat line. He had one of the highest rankings as a rookie defensive ranking as a rookie, um, and it in, in the history of the NFL, uh, I think up there was like Joey Bosa was another name that he was com- that was he, that he was aligned with in terms of rookie defensive rating. Uh, Chase Young was an absolute animal this year. Uh, I, no surprise here, defensive rookie of the year. I think he's a lock in. Don't really need to say much more. Offensive player of the year, Derrick Henry. He's the eighth running back in the history of the NFL to get 2,000 rushing yards. That's all you really need to say. Uh, Normally, the offensive player of the year uh, kind of predicts the most valuable player, uh, and I think that's not going to be the case this year. But in terms of what Derrick Henry was able to do, being a running back in today's NFL, and I think that's an important distinction to make, a running back in today's pass-heavy NFL in order to be able to get 2,000 rushing yards, the eighth player in history the NFL to do it, absolutely deserved for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's the Offensive Player of the Year. Defensive player of the year, uh, Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard had 10 interceptions for the Miami Dolphins this season. And I know everybody's going to say, well, T.J. Watt had 15 sacks and Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald. And sure, the favorite to win is Aaron Donald. But just for the sake of variety, I think I would rather pick uh, Xavier Howard as the defensive player of the year. Uh, the Rams were up and down all season with their defense, and maybe and whether or not that was Aaron Donald's fault. Obviously, it's not all him. It's not one person singularly singularly on that defense that makes or breaks the squad. Uh, but with in terms of Xavier Howard, his ten interceptions really turned around some games for the Dolphins this year. He had a tremendous impact in forcing turnovers. Uh, played a really really good season. Against some really good wide receivers, Xavier Howard should be the defensive player of the year, and the most valuable player award goes to Aaron Rodgers. Again, that shouldn't surprise many people. Aaron Rodgers is the favorite in a lot of people's brackets. voting cards. I I don't. Where do you record your vote? Like I don't I don't know. He's the favorite. <laughs> he's the favorite. Aaron Rodgers had one of the best seasons that he's had in his entire career uh, this season. He played with a chip on his shoulder all year. He seemed calm. He seemed collected. He seemed cold as ice, and he played outstanding this year. I think you know he was one of the major reasons why I thought that the Packers were going to win the Super Bowl. He just looked so calm and so in control that I felt there is no way that these guys can lose when it comes to playoff time. Even though that they even though they did that shouldn't take away from Rodgers' season. Rodgers absolutely had an MVP caliber season, and he should be the MVP. And I think a lot of people will agree with that. So. That is the end of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great Super Bowl watch party tomorrow. If you're having one, remember to stay safe, social distance, wear your mask, but enjoy some good food and enjoy what hopefully will be a really good game. Thank you all so much for your support, and thank you so much for listening. This has been the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast. For me, Nick Ryan, so to all of you out there, stay hard-headed, but have a nice day.